Hello, everyone. Welcome to New Polities Podcast. It's another episode of Good Soil. I'm here with Sean and Beth Doherty. Hello. Hi. Glad to have you. <laughs> the last time we met, we spoke a little bit about why garden. Why garden? And um, we have every intention of actually telling everyone <laughs> how to garden, but we get so excited about the why around here that we forget the how. But the thing is, the Doherty's, while they're very insightful, are actually far more useful for telling you how to do things <laughs> <laughs> than why to do things. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're good at both. You're we'll good take at both. whatever we can get. <laughs> so um, we want to discuss today how to backyard garden, and I think that um, to put this in the context of new polity and everything else we do, we were discussing the way in which um, gardening is a microcosmic experience of man in his original vocation as a keeper and tiller of the world, and also as a prime metaphor for the political life. So once you understand the garden and the fact that the world is given over to your care for its perfection, then you can understand this in relation to your family, in relation to your city, and ultimately in relation towards the common good, the world as a whole. Um, that was the why, basically, but now the how uh, is where we stand next. So how do you start a backyard garden? And I'm going to be a, um, not devil's advocate, but just a city dweller's advocate because I, I am in the city. Um, and I probably have more land than most people actually in the city. Um, but my presumption is... But, but, but what is, I love about it is you don't own more land. You are using more land yes, that's, that's right. around you. And that's what everybody needs to be thinking about. And that's about. where yeah. a lot of people's reach. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Even and, though Mark's charming. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I do I do have that um, skill, which we can we can uh, do an episode on how to schmooze. On snake oil. <laughs> snake oil, yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, so, so what do you usually tell people when they want to begin? Because I think it can seem daunting. Yeah. Um, but I think there is a growing awareness in people that our grocery system is basically insecure, uh, and that it is even if even if it can truck along for another hundred years, which you too doubt. I doubt it. Uh, that even in the trucking along, it's still a system that is profiting off of people's landlessness and skilllessness. And so there's an enmity in the system itself that even if it works, it doesn't work in a way that fulfills you and builds right. friendships right. and makes life beautiful. I mean, if 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 all I could hope for in gardening in my backyard backyard was raising two tomato plants, mm. I wouldn't even try. <laughs> I would just say, this is you know what what's that going to do? Right, right. But you would be surprised how much. When you get down to it, if you're and you're finding this, yeah, how much you actually can grow. Well, I'm I'm going to throw out there too that if I lived in an apartment and all I could do was grow four pods of something on the on the balcony, um, yeah. I would. Yeah, yes, that's right. And I would do it um, because it's right to do it. Yeah. I would do it because it tasted good. I'd do it because it would satisfy some right. some. Right. Hard, hardwired. I, I don't even like terms like that for human Ele beings. Electrical some, people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It would satisfy some integral longing for me. Right. And um, where I would throw, you know, something I'd throw into that mix is a lot of people say, well, not for me. And I think you don't know. Yeah. And, you haven't and, tried. You well, haven't looked. I mean, it's like saying breathing's not for me. I'm not sure right. that it's, I'm not You're sure that's an being. option, if really. Our first parents received. The mandate, the right, the mandate, but also like the 
uh, blueprint again is way too technical, but this pattern, yeah, right? absolutely. that is what it is to be human. Yeah. And as it is human to eat, it must also be human to take some concern for eating and what is eaten. So in any event, why, why I wanted to start there was that I wanted people to think, as my brother, my oldest brother has said, uh, do you expect me to start growing things? And I said, well, why not? You know, and but he's thinking, you know, what could I do in my little backyard? And you can do a tremendous amount in your little back, yeah. backyard. That's but right. I would back off from that. So somebody who has never gardened before and saying, I think I want to, the Doherty's are telling me <laughs> this is something I ought to do. And so tell me how to do that. Yeah. And the first thing that we would say is start small. So do not till up your whole garden the first time and say, I'm going to, you know, because you will get very discouraged because the weeds are going to come in and there will be a lot of, uh, it, it, it will, it can be very discouraging, but, there, but there's I would, stuff living there already. Right. So right. when you propose to come in and change a, a whole piece of an, of an ecological presence, you have to expect that all the life that's presently living there wants to push back. It mm. still wants to live. And so, you know, I would liken it to taking up um, another art form like, say, wood carving. You're not going to say, I'm going to learn how to wood carve. Let's do a copy of the Pieta. Mm -hmm. You're going to say, I'm going to learn how to wood carve. Let's see if I can whittle a little bird or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. small. So you start right. small because you can bring your whole in intention, attention, your all of your labor to bear on the details of one small thing. And because the details of that small garden are all the same details that dictate the big garden. Yeah, right. Then you've taught yourself how to garden. So, so we just gave uh, a beginning urban garden talk locally in yeah. our area, mm -hmm. and it, it occurred to me we were standing in front of a table, a little bit like this table, and I said, "There's your garden. Mm. Make it table size or double table size, right, or, right, or at least like make that. beds that are this. It was right. it was your standard deal, you know, like yeah, like eight foot, formica, right. eight that's foot right. table, right. and and that gave them a size, mm -hmm. you know. And I thought that's really great. So here's make it this big, and then you know what you got to do is you got to get the you got to get what's there out of the way. So what's there is almost certainly weeds and grass. Right. So somehow I've got to remove that. And I want to be thinking ahead a little bit and think that grass and the, those weeds are going to want to come back in. So one thing that I could do is put some sort of border around that. And that's what raised beds are, more or less. Uh, now, I could say, I'm going to do a raised bed, and then I'm going to bring in my uh, my soil, and I'm going to fill this thing up. And now we're starting to get very expensive as well. Yeah, if you're, which, buy, if you're buying the soil. Right, or labor right. intensive if you're not. That's right. right. So what we would say is, and Beth has now come up with this very new, exciting idea that she it's wants to explore. new, but right. So at, um, at the talk at the library where we're trying to help people figure out how am I going to get started gardening. Um, we were imagining, and this is where I would start in any gardening venture. Um, gardens are absolutely and integrally a thing of place. So oh, oh, when I'm we sorry, talk that's right. about Absolutely, that's where gardens, we needed to start. I'm sorry. When we talk about gardens, we can't give you, gen you know, it's obvious that nobody can give you, Mark, generic instructions for how to make Mara feel like a loved wife, right? You can have some... Some rough idea, you know. And you're also not going to learn this on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Kiss her. I keep looking. <laughs> Kiss her. <laughs> Say nice things to her. Yeah. 
perhaps bring her gifts, although you have to remember, you know, like, is this a wife that likes gifts? Or right, my right, my right. wife's favorite <laughs> gifts are manure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fertility. Fertility. You love me, bring me, bring me crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so gardening is like that. Yeah. When we have this conversation, then obviously we're going to, even if we're not doing it intentionally, we're, we're mentally anchoring that conversation in northern Appalachia on the west bank of the Ohio River. Right. right. And so here we're looking at certain um, obstacles and certain uh, advantages. And so talking to the local gardeners and would-be gardeners, we were giving them instructions for here. So as Sean says, wherever wherever there's you're planning on gardening, first of all, why'd you pick that spot, right? That and that yeah. that was where we That's, were. You right. cannot put a garden underneath a tree. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. It's not well, I mean, it depends we'll on what deal, you're gonna grow. We'll but. deal briefly with the whole permaculture thing, and I'm not sweeping it to one side. I'm just saying that that's one of those words that surges to the fore, gets a bunch of um of positive moral gravitas, yeah, right? Yeah. And nobody really knows what they mean by it. Yeah. And so I'm just going to say, we're going to put forest gardening on one side. We're, we're going to ignore the fact that ex it, it exists for the time being, yeah. because that's not what this conversation is about. There is such a thing. But I will point out that <clears throat> most, except for in equatorial zones, mm -hmm. most human food systems are not forest food systems, mm -hmm. largely because forests turn most of their carbon dioxide into other stuff than things people can eat. Mm -hmm. And the things that they do produce that people can eat are seasonal. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at gardens are seasonal too, but we're going to move our, we're going to get out, out from the forest canopy and we're going to get right in a place of sunlight because we need that sunlight to grow stuff that we can eat. Mm -hmm. And, and being human beings, we have selected plants and bred for plants that will produce more carbs, more sugar, more, fats and proteins and minerals in a smaller space in plants that we have to protect. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're out of the woods. So first, go find a sunny spot. Go find a sunny spot, yeah. And, um, and you know, how, how do you pick the best spot in your, for most people, backyard? Well, so some good things to look at. If you don't want to schlep a lot of soil, yeah. let's figure out where the good soil is. Now, the best soil is probably under that big old overgrown bush out back that you don't want to move anyway. So mm. we're going to leave that aside for the moment, although we'll come back to that bush later. Pick some place that's sunny. Make sure that it really is sunny. You know, don't go out at 9 a.m. and say, sun's right here. And then ignore the fact that at 11, it's going to pass behind a tree. And that's yeah. going to be a shady spot for the, for the rest of the day. So you need some sun. Preferably, you you for most crops, leafy crops can stand a fair amount of shade. But for most crops, you're looking at a good six to eight hours or more of sunlight yeah. during the day. So as much sun as you can get them usually. Mm -hmm. Um, and you'd like to have some soil. So think about things like go out right now and figure out where are the leaves drifting. If you have a fenced yard and there are deciduous trees in your neighborhood, they have probably blown into your yard or fallen into your yard in the last six months and are piled somewhere. The wind has driven them and found places to pile them up. Well, the wind's probably been piling them there for years. Mm -hmm. And so they've been breaking down there for years. Right. And earthworms have been coming up for the banquet for years. Mm -hmm. And so that's a good place to think about putting a garden. Forget. Or at least if it's a shaded area, then it's a good place, a good to, place get to get the soil, soil that you're going to put into your yes. into your area that's, that's sunny. Right. Yeah. Then you have to ask yourself, what do I do about the stuff that's already growing there? And so there's this sort of threefold thing that needs to happen. You want the stuff that's already growing there not to grow there anymore. Yeah. 
you'd really like the stuff that's already growing there to rot in place and add its fertility to the soil. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have to, um, around here usually, bring some some more soil amendments to that spot because around here we're in hill country we got a lot of deciduous trees which underneath them underneath the the layer of organic matter is usually shale or clay, clay yeah so we'd like to break up that soil add organic matter how deep does a raised bed need to be um so it depends on what you want to grow if you and, want to and, grow and it depends on what the floor is I mean, well let, let me put it this way define raised bed first yeah that's right that'd yeah. be important what do you mean by raised bed um i mean anything with walls <laughs> okay with yeah. sides okay look, yeah. good we're going to use that for our definition okay. from now on so raised beds have sides it all depends on what's underneath them. that's right that's well right. what i mean to say is you know for some people if you okay you block out your table sized spot yeah. it's in the sun and there's some good soil underneath it Mm -hmm. So there's two questions. How do I kill everything that's there? Right. Uh, and then is what's there, once everything's dead, enough, or do I need to add on top of it for the... Yeah, well, that depends on what your soil is. So if you just yeah. have a lot of clay, then you might need to well, how many How many in. inches of organic uh, <laughs> good soil before the clay do you need? <laughs> um, so we won't even go to inches. Like we, would, we might stick with centimeters here. Okay. But what we would actually do, so we want to kill... Let's go with that. Go with your table size bed. Right. How? I mean, go back to our original right. raised bed. That's how did right. we get rid of this? So how we did is we dug this it is, out. This is 27 years ago. Now, at that time, it was this double digging method, which we think is not smart because what you're doing nobody, is you're... Nobody recommends double digging anymore. Right. But you were going down and you were bringing up the stuff that's underneath, the, the nasty stuff up underneath, the clay, and you were burying your tops. Right. <laughs> double digging advocated the... the the inversion the inversion of the soil profile and so nobody like recommends upside or, down well it wasn't just the grass so we went through dug up the grass shook the dirt shook off shook it the off put the grass That's actually right. back then we didn't have a lawn so we took the, <laughs> we shook the dirt off some and then we moved it over here and put it down stomped on it hoping that we would grow grass uh, over here um, but we had grass where we wanted the right. bed. So we're so just we were removing just... the grass is okay. what we're I doing. See. I see. And uh, the more of of the dirt you can leave, the better off you are. If you can shake sure. that dirt down and then just remove the grass. Sorry. Now um, we might be confused about the hypothetical. That is to say, is it that you don't want to do this or you do want to do this? We like oh, removing okay. the grass. Yes. Yes. Because, remove the grass. Okay. So uh, if, if you had six months to prep this right. garden bed. That's right. We would not dig up the grass. Okay. Six, which which make believe shall we go with a long period of time? I mean, it's spring right now, so if people are starting gardens right now, then you're going to have to dig. Then they're going to do it differently. Grass. Okay. But in your imagination, if you say if last August, fall, you said, right. "I know I want a bed here." Yeah. Then we'd say pile a bunch of organic matter. I don't care if it's shredded newspaper. I, I would start yeah. with something that would that would really. You just throw on organic organic matter. Stuff can come up through it. But if you started with cardboard yeah. or, or or a tarp or, or something yeah. that really stopped the grass. If you use a tarp, though, grass, you're not going to pile organic matter on it, whereas... Oh, that well, I guess... I mean, you still could, right. and then you'd have to dig that tarp yeah. out, which would be a hassle. Right. That's right. But if you started with cardboard yeah. and just laid yeah. down a whole yeah. bunch of cardboard that would help prevent any of the grass, and it's going to it's gonna kill the grass. Yeah. It's really fascinating. I mean, if you leave something like that on your lawn for too long, Everything's dead underneath. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And that's what you want. 
You yep. want that thing. So, so if you, if, you do that, if you got a, you start if you throwing a, organic matter. If you have a short-term plan to get all your grass. Yeah. If you got a long-term plan, bury it. That's right. Something that's going to take away all the sunlight. That's right. Kill right. the grass that's and right. let it. And then just cover and, it as deep as you can with organic matter. Yeah. With wood chip, not wood chip. We wouldn't use wood chips. That's what right, people. Right. But we would use grass clippings. We'd we would use, use leaves. Sawdust. 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 sawdust doesn't add a lot of. Um, it's not going to add much nitrogen. It's going to add some minerals. Depending if it's kiln dried, just don't do it because mm-hmm. it'll take too long to break down. But things like that, just you're basically you're trying to add anything that used to be alive. Yeah. And put it in there. Don't don't till it all in. Yeah. Because depending on the degree to which it's broken down, if if you're putting in a lot of um, cellulose that's going to take breaking down, the microbes in the soil that are going to do that job will first take the nitrogen they need for the job from the soil. So you're going to get this temporary lull, you know, like dip in fertility and available nitrogen to your plants if you add a lot of stuff that hasn't broken down. Yeah. So some things that, uh, let's go back to here now, what we were telling okay. people. Um, the spring. So we've established that there are raised beds and we're going to call raised beds anything that has sides. In commercial gardening, raised beds could mean anything that I'm not walking on. Basically, I, I, I've um, taken off whatever's growing there. I have established that this place is going to grow my choice plants now. And I established that these are places I walk and these are places I don't walk. And the place I don't walk are my raised beds. And okay. often they are raised a little bit because once I once we've killed the plants, we'll go through and rake whatever loose organic matter is there over into the beds yes. so that I don't waste it in the path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so that's, we'll just call those beds now. Not so you don't beds. really need walls, so I'm hearing. So, um, <laughs> although what she wants to use for walls, so, I mean, you can spend a lot of money on walls, you know, the wooden things. Mark doesn't, though. Mark scavenges. Well, let's talk yeah, about but so I'm just saying like yeah. what beds. you were wanting to do was right, use right. boxes. Yeah, like card- so cardboard just boxes. Just cardboard absolutely. boxes. So this is, this is our plan for somebody who has never gardened before. Here's okay. how you can get started. Yeah. Get yourself, you know, a bunch of, of fair sized card, cardboard boxes, yep. not too deep. Yep. If they are deep, just cut them down. Yep. And you're going to leave the bottoms closed. This assuming you're starting on grass. Leave the bottoms yeah. closed. Fold the flaps down on top. Yep. Park them too wide in a row, yep. wherever you want this garden to be. Yep. Heap wood chips around the around the boxes. outside again, yeah. and then as go a, scav- as a weed, as a weed, right. and then go scavenging, um, grass clippings. Right. Um, Autumn leaves, especially this time of year, the places where your neighbors are accustomed to throw their lawn sweepings off the side of the hill or pile them under a tree at the back. Anywhere you can scavenge up on the hill on LaBelle, which is a local neighborhood um, that is because it's on a hilltop, it's completely surrounded with trees. We tell people just go for a walk with a five gallon bucket Mm -hmm. and scavenge. Right now, a good way to do it is to go into the woods and find any place the leaves drift. Like there are leaves everywhere, but you can figure out those spots where the leaves have piled up. Yeah. Dig down past that, you know, foot of dry leaves on top. And now you're getting down to the highest quality soil I can think of, which is leaf mold and earthworm castings. Yeah. What I use is along the street I live, um, by the end of the fall, there's not really a, uh, well-coordinated street cleaning which is great because what happens is the leaves are pushed by the cars 
yep. uh, which grind them with their mm-hmm. wheels, and yep. gradually they get pushed to the curb. Right. And you, everyone's driven past this, but what they don't realize is the way the cars are constantly splashing moisture into mm-hmm. those yeah. piles. And so we're all along a huge amount. It just looks like um, gross like sludge right. from fr- right. from the eye. And it does have like car oils and stuff that's in it. That's right. And that's um, the only concern. But that's not much. I mean, oils could be good. Depends on. <laughs> right, right. But, but, <laughs> but not much. But not but, much. Yeah, it's, what, and, and, it's what fertilizer's made of. Right. But it's yeah. fascinating. Like the leaves there, which have fallen at the same rate as the leaves elsewhere, are breaking down like six times as fast right. because right. because they are exposed and because they're, they're getting and they're wet, wet and they're ground. We, you know, there are so and so many... I go with a, with a snow shovel yeah. and, uh, and I go just along the road. And I imagine I look like some kind of city employee because it looks important <laughs> what I'm doing. Well, you uh, could even dress that way if you wanted to. I should put something yellow on, yeah. And then I, uh, and then yeah, I use that. So I would uh, scavenging is, um, it's a beautiful thing. It's, well, it's also it's how keeping most, stuff out of the dump. The most, the yeah, most, yeah. Uh, the longest lasting, or um, agricultural systems in the world have used exactly that mode of transhumation yeah. of moving. Um, stuff that should be humus yeah. to places where it will do the most good from yeah. if we go back to farmers of 40 centuries mm-hmm. and the and the Chinese peasants coming back from, you know, going into town with whatever they have to sell on their yokes and buckets and coming back with yokes and buckets full of human waste, which needed to be removed from the city. Mm-hmm. We've been do- practicing various forms of transhumation forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in, in the Peruvian Andes, well, and it, you start at the bottom of the hill and you pick up the stuff that has washed down yeah. and you cart it back up to the top wow. and you spread it out. We live in a world in which waste is a, I mean, we produce more waste, industrial waste than, I mean, that, that is the main product yes. <laughs> right, right, right. of modernity is something called waste. And uh, it always strikes me that wherever healing is going to happen culturally and spiritually it's going to be in becoming a people that can turn waste back yes, into right. useful goods Isn't that a but, nice but, but right now we're terrified of waste as well we think i can't use that stuff at the edge of the yeah. street because somehow here's a here's a more practical example because i think some people do get worried about this um so so far what we've what you guys have displayed is you go into your backyard, you find where the sun is, you kill the grass by covering it, mm-hmm. and essentially you build a compost heap that's on right. top of that's whatever right. you want to be your garden. Right. right. Now, this is a longer term plan. So, you know, in well, the meantime, you might be making a uh, simply removing the dirt, shaking it all off, and having enough dirt to plant plants. Right. But where you really want um, right. Although I was gonna, I was gonna do my cardboard boxes that you could plant right now, even though I'm really? saying fill them with whatever you like. Okay. Um, and actually, for me, I'm going to do this because the thought is so much fun. Imagine that you're going to. So we're just covering the bottom of the cardboard box. Yeah. Now with our wood chips and our cardboard boxes, we've established two wood zones. Wood chips on the outside. Outside. Yeah. Right. right. And and actually. Actually, you might want to put your wood chips down, then put your cardboard box yep, down yep, on a very right. thin layer of wood chips. I'm going to put mine directly on the ground, and I'm going to deal with the fact that a little bit of grass is going to try and come up between my box and my wood chips, and I'll just pull it out. But I want my cardboard boxes completely on the ground because I want I want to know that moisture can wick up from the soil through mm-hmm. the bottom of the box into mm-hmm. my boxes. But I've got my boxes out. Now I'm going to put 
a layer of something organic on the bottom of each and what fun it would be to go through and, and, you know, keep a map of this when you do it, because you want to be able to say, oh, the one that had Mark's roadside wood chips did, uh, or shredded leaves uh, did yeah, this yeah, well. Yeah. And the one that had, we're going to go back to that bush and the, the big bush in the backyard that has all the, I said, we're going to go back to the soil under there. You can't plant a garden there, but you can go down and harvest a little bit of that soil. Yeah, Put totally. that on the bottom of one. Fill your boxes. I don't care if some of them have shredded paper or whatever in them. Wet them down. Yep. Now you're going to have to harvest soil from somewhere. Yes. That's where my, my walk in the woods comes in. A five-gallon bucket is going to give you, in the bottom of a cardboard box, it's actually, actually going to give you several inches of um, good soil. I mean, this is top quality soil. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to plant things in these. You can go and plant. You're not going to fill the boxes. Where we do don't you... need. Yeah. You don't need 12 inches of that. Yeah, so organic material on the bottom and then some soil on the top to plant That's it. And a lot of times people do what they call lasagna. So yeah. they're using all these different things. And, you know, when you start looking at those things, you know, if you're if you want to get really specific and try that, I think that's great. But if that prevents you from doing this, right. because don't I'm not be doing the lasagna method yeah, and right. I've got to put in so much hay and so much, forget it. It's yeah. just it's just too complicated. Right. When you when you brought up the compost versus mulch or compost versus gardening question, you were really brushing up against something all three of us know, but we might want to say, which is the difference between mulch and compost is the job you gave it to do mm. and how fast it's going to break totally. down. Yeah. So the compost is there specifically because you want it to break down and become yeah. fertility, become yeah. humus. And mulch is there specifically because you want it to stop something growing. Yes. But when you put your compost down, the first thing it may do for you, I mean, your the ingredients for your compost pile down, first thing they're going to do is mulch wherever they're they're put. Where do you? Yes, right, exactly. And and that's something that it took meeting you guys to learn, which is that um, mulching is f more fun and easier than weeding. Oh <laughs> much, my gosh, absolutely. Much. So that goes back to our cardboard boxes yes. as well. We've made our row of, our double row of cardboard boxes. We've mulched around it with wood chips. We've added um, bulk. The, the real reason for all those piles of leaves and whatever isn't that we needed leaves at the bottom of the box, but that if we had to move dirt enough to give us six inches of dirt in that it's box, we'd mo be moving a lot of dirt. We add our, our bulk. We water it down. Now we add our dirt on Where top. do you scavenge dirt? So if you live in Steubenville, that's not that hard. Yeah. Um, like we said, go for a walk in the woods. You said look in the di in the gutters, and that's a good one. Yeah, one. Uh, the back your backyard again. Mm -hmm. Like, um, here's a good idea: is figure out where you want where you're going to put a compost pile because you're going to have one, yeah. and go dig it down and t dig as much decent dirt out of it as you can get before you get down to a layer that doesn't look like good dirt. It's yeah. hard packed. Yeah. It's clay. It's full of rocks. Whatever. Take all that and use that to fill your boxes. Yeah. One one thing that I uh, have done is I've uh, been building paths yep. um, and every time you build a path you have a lot of dirt mm -hmm. and so it's this uh, synthetic relationship between projects right it's Absolutely. Like I, I want That's something right. here but if I do it now then I'll have the dirt that I need That's right. for this bed here so That's let's right. do the project first that gives me a big pile of dirt That's right. from maybe you're digging a foundation maybe you're putting in a driveway maybe you're putting in some gravel maybe you're putting in a... i mean th you're this emptying is, this your gutters back... at the end of the gutters yeah, yeah yeah this yeah. gets back to no waste yes. you know it's all a matter of moving things where it should be yep. and don't 
take things to the dump. Don't, you know, obviously some trash. But, I mean, there's probably a place to use this. Now, the worry, there is a worry about things being... So I'll, I'll just put put my cards on the table that like health has never been a category of importance to me as such. So when mm-hmm. I, it, it comes secondarily, mm-hmm. uh, like if I get it's it, a result, that's wonderful, not a, not a goal. but I've never been like one who's motivated by how healthy I can become through, right. through gardening. It's mm-hmm. always seemed kind of silly because well, we'll admit we <laughs> never were. Either, so we can start from ground. You have zero. to fake that's it. Uh, sometimes it's like, yeah. um, and I think that isn't in, in some sense, the result of having the, uh, the grace or blessing of health, right? That I don't think about it. Health yeah. is a form of thoughtlessness because you only think about health when it no longer right. exists, right? right? So, so in honor of health, I don't ever think about health. Um, one of the things that you mentioned people are concerned about are just the various poisons that are out there. Um, and one of the ways that I've heard this expressed is I use uh, railroad ties yes, for and people tell raised you to beds. Worry about the yeah, so railroad ties um, are soaked in creosote in order to preserve them for a long time. Railroad ties part of a, a train track um, that kind of keeps it all sunk into the into the big big gravel. Of wood. Yeah, yeah, they sink wood into gravel and it keeps the train down. Usually, haha. Sorry, that's a joke because <laughs> trains keep falling around here. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the concerns that I've heard is that, okay, well, these are great. These are big eight foot, um, sort of logs and they're going to, they're going to make my border. They're going to keep the weeds from going out uh, or coming in. And they're going to basically look kind of pretty because Mm -hmm. it's, it's wood, wood's pretty. Um, but it's wood that's not going to break down. But, um, the concern is that, well, now this creosote that these have been soaked in is going to get into your soil the soil is going to get into your plants you're going to eat it and it's a carcinogen it's a carcinogenic right. okay well sure. Chris, so what they're really saying if you go do your research and i have not done my particular research into creosote in a long time so i don't remember the details creosote isn't carcinogenic maybe something that is minutely present in creosote is carcinogenic i mean creosote is is it's it's a way of treating wood. Yeah. Um, the original creosote source was pine trees. Oh, I see. I, yeah, I'm presuming they're using that as a shorthand for a chemical bath that involves other things. Sure. Besides that's the... right. That's right. Right. And and so what we have done when we uh, originally started using railroad ties, we were somewhat aware of that. And one of our one of the things that we did is we got old railroad ties. So these were railroad ties that were being... They'd been leached for years. Yeah, that's right. That the railroad company was pulling out. I'd never seen that happen, but it was very interesting. They were replacing the railroad ties. Of course, they have to replace the railroad ties. So we were watching them pull them out, and we went over and we said, can we get those? And they gave us a whole truckload for nothing. Yeah. They just loaded them into the truck because they've got to do something with them, and they were very happy to take us take it on the truck and we use those so we thought okay well that probably takes care of some of that but the other thing that you can do and this is what i was watching nick larkins do Mm -hmm. was he was using alanthus alanthus is this trash tree that's uh coming up everywhere it's called the tree of heaven it's uh um what do we call there's that? There's irony it's a, in that. It's a, yeah. um, invasive. Yeah. Uh, and they live for about 30 years and then they die. Yeah. So you don't want them anyways. Yeah. You could, f- anywhere you could find them, people are trying to get rid of them. Yeah. They're poisoning. They're doing all these kinds of stuff with it. So you go out there and you harvest it. You cut it down and now, you use, use that as your borders. If you're going to use for your garden beds, remember that Elanthus well, yeah, can, can root 
De- a completely cut log can root. So use one that's old enough that it, it's dead dried out and use it. Yeah. But I, I want to go back to the whole question of tox- toxins yeah. in yeah. our environment yeah. and how worried we need to be about them. Yes. How worried garden. should I be? Am I killing my children? Because I no. give them carrots? No. So, um, the- I, you know, I, I think that w- 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 you have to be careful. <laughs> I mean, we would say, no, our, that's been our experience. But I do know that lead from paints mm-hmm. have had right i'm not I'm, I, I was gonna get there yeah but what i was um so you're surrounded by toxins if you put newspaper in under your under your if, if newspaper is what you put down to kill the grass yeah. when you're building a new bed somebody yeah. is liable to say to you what about the ink what, the ink, what yeah. about the glues that might have been in there what about the gloss on the page <laughs> um your cardboard ditto um all the time as people who raise animals we're you know, hearing other people's voices tremble as they say, what about the this plant or that plant, the mm-hmm. toxic plants in the pasture? And um, when it comes to using captured water, people are liable to say to you, what about the algae in the water? And um, we've been activated f- by the principle for uh, our whole marriage that you do the good that is before you right now. Mm-hmm. And if you require a guarantee from the Almighty that... There is no danger in the good that you're proposing to do. You will never get started. Mm-hmm. You'll never do anything. So we try not to be stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, nobody's dead. In fact, somebody asked me one time at a a talk that we we're actually giving on food preservation, and we were relating various um, steps that you could skip. And I had a very attentive audience, but at the end very nice lady raised her hand and said, and how many cases of foodborne illness have has your family experienced in the last 25 years while you've been doing that? And it was a terrific question that I had never thought of. So count to three, and then I said, none. Yeah, right. <laughs> We've never had any, right? Yeah. If we had said at the beginning of preserving food, we need an ironclad guarantee that we are not endangering our family in any way, no matter what, yeah. we wouldn't have started. Right, right. And the same thing goes for your gardening efforts. You're go- uh, we use grass clippings from city grass clipping pickup. We, either we pick them up or somebody delivers them to us. But no, we don't have a guarantee that nobody in that group has used Chemlon. We're going to use them anyway because they're the organic matter that we can get our hands on. Mm-hmm. And... I, and I, we have to start. But where I, I also, wanted to go okay, with go that ahead. is that there's feedback. It's not as though this is... That's right. It's not as though we're... Okay, so we're not jumping off the end of the dock here right. just thinking, well, maybe it'll... And it's not this won't. secret thing that's hiding in there just waiting to pounce on us. You're going to see if you have used things. So yeah. when Beth cans, and we've got jars of things, yeah. and it sits on the shelf for, for quite a while. Yeah. You look at those cans and you say, ooh, this one has mold in it. Yeah. Right. It well, the didn't seal get sealed too. all right, the way. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you throw that one out. Right, yeah. right, right. You know, and I would think that if you are using stuff that had a tremendous amount of chemicals and Well, it's easy poisons, in gardens because... You would see this part, this corner of the garden, <laughs> nothing's growing in there. Right, right. It's easy with gardens because... It, when, when I take food out of a jar and consume it, I'm the test case. Mm-hmm. But when I put... At, when I put organic matter in my garden and grow something, the plants are the test yeah, case. Yeah. So that's not to say that there are there are no things like lead in house paints that if you grow your tomatoes smack up against the side of a house that wasn't hasn't been painted in 
30 years and the old paint has been leaching mm -hmm. lead into the soil. Yes, that tomato apparently could pick up enough lead that if you went through a lifetime of eating those tomatoes, you might build up too much lead in your system. Yeah. That seems to me a small and avoidable risk. Um, whereas the risk of wanting a guarantee, wanting God to say, and for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. there could be no slips in here um, before we start gardening. Hmm. Um, if we applied that same rule of, I need an ironclad guarantee that this thing that I am not, that I'm going to choose to do for my child, say, has no risks, we could never go to the doctor or the hospital or administer any drug. Or drive. They do not, or drive, or do a bunch yeah, of other things. Sure. But there is no ironclad guarantee yeah, that yeah. the medical system isn't going to make a mistake. Yeah. And yet when our kid shows up with red spots all over him, we haul him to the doctor and we ask him what to do. And, and we don't and, get that guarantee. And yet what we're hearing is that the the mis the misdiagnosis and mistreatment in the hospital is one of the leading causes of death. One of the leading death. causes of death in the country. So, so, so not yeah. to attack the, the, the no, medical no, system, it's but just, only to say... But, you should, be but everyone should everywhere. read Medical Nemesis but, by Ivan Illich. So <laughs> if I was going to say two things about worrying about toxins... Yeah. The first, oh, man, as soon as I say I'm going to say two things, I forget what they are. Um, <laughs> well, one thing that I've noticed in my research about the railroad ties specifically yes. okay. is that it's a concern for everyone, and no one has ever noticed a problem. That's exactly <laughs> that's right. that's where I was that's So, right. so there's right. these great, you know, it's everyone uses them. You even can buy them at, I saw, oh my gosh, they were selling railroad ties for $50 a railroad tie at... Um, Rural King? Yeah. Yeah, they had a Are pile they that much? Holy my yeah. they, no, they were 11 bucks at See. Lowe's so, so, uh, no, Which is not to say, but you have to trust corporations when they see themselves as both being able to make money and not be sued. So yep. the presence of a railroad tie at a major corporate sale point Tells you that are, <laughs> right, right. is that itself a health indicator. But it's also just in people that have done their research, one of the big questions about toxins is that, okay, yes, there's a toxin here. And yes, there's a plant here. But the question is, does that plant take up that toxin? That's right, absolutely. A huge, and that's that's that right. is a point of research you can figure that's out, right. but no one that's has right. done it. That's right. Now, the effects, that no one has ever registered a single effect from growing plants in right. railroad ties, and many people do it. It's a very common tradition because right. it's a scavenge, scavengeable uh, material. Right, right. Yeah. And it works really um, well. Right. And so I'm perfectly comfortable with it in this, and but I think that people don't often have that understanding of... Now, is that what is meant by the term bioavailability? Bioavailability, yeah, is... Can is, you describe so that for, example, for new gardeners? Because we're Right, right. Wanna... So the term bioavailability is used a lot in, in farming and gardening because what you're asking about is not, not merely the presence or absence of a thing, but whether that thing, if present, yeah. can be utilized by plants or by animals. So, right, so you can have like a chunk of iron buried in your ground but it doesn't mean that that iron gets to the spinach right. it's right. it's of limited bioavailability yes. as a chunk of iron right? <laughs> now, now one of the things and you asked this question is how much soil do we do we need and this yeah. this kind of ties a lot of the things together so at the urban mission yeah across the street in that yeah, lay down yard yeah that's what it was it was just a lay down yard for the, and that for the thing meaning for it was the... paved for putting stuff down that was going to be loaded onto or off the trucks okay the so it's been right. there for years and years and years and yep. years and this is what they're gonna they say this is our this is the space we have to guard <laughs> yes yes so we were going to help them with that 
So we went over there, and it's it's covered with grass. I mean, they've been mowing it and stuff like that, but it is so thin. So the soil, it, it, truly, it was not soil. Right. It's cinders left over from this thing being a, a laydown yard. Yeah. But you know the what was on the surface, and some of it was humus. There was grass growing there because the so grass between has an inch been and three inches deep. That's right. The grass has been being mowed and and that's just right. thrown so down. There has so been over time, that's right. That way, God that's right. does that. Yes, that's right. So we went over there and we thought, is anything going to grow here? Mm-hmm. And we had a little bit. Uh, Franciscan University had donated a little bit of organic like matter, maybe like maybe a, a pickup load. Now mm. we're looking at making. We made um. Seven or eight, 40 foot, and we 30 were, inch wide beds. And so we wrote a lot, tilt. This big garden. And that's because we did not have the, the, the time to lay down anything. This was, we were starting yeah, right in the spring. Right away. Yeah. So we wrote a tilt this up, and the tiller is barely able. I mean, right. it's it able to chew all. it up. It's yeah. skipping along the top. Yes. That's right, yeah. because that's what it's doing. But it is chewing up and getting some organic matter on top. And then what we did was we raked that organic matter that was loose. And then we laid down. So we raked it out of paths yeah. into windrows. Into hills. So yeah. we're making raised, yeah. raised beds with yep. no sides. Yep. But our sides are kind of, because we're laying down wood chips mm-hmm. between. So you're kind of protecting them. So we're them. kind of doing that. And then we thought, and we... Uh, we, we layered whatever the that's we right. had. So we had that little bit of compost. Actually, I think we left the compost out for a while. So we, because we, we had another purpose for it. So we layered some old leaves and some old hay and some rotted vegetables. We rolled left out over some big the, hay bales right. on this, mm-hmm. and then we planted through those hay bales mm-hmm. down well, but, into this. But we this. rolled them out and we laid down these rotted vegetables. We rolled That's some right. more, anything we could get our hands on. I think mm-hmm. we may have had cardboard under some. Of it. We yep. were just doing whatever we could to make a fairly dense pillow. That's right. Of That's organic right. matter. With the top layer being something that wasn't going to immediately grow weeds for us. Could not believe how much. Then we dug there. the holes, yeah. and that's where the compost went. Yeah. Yes, that's so right. So we were using com- so we'd make a so hole we were yeah about making this big, you know, and not very deep. Put compost in, yep. threw some dirt on top of that, shoved say cucumber seeds, squash yeah. seeds, yep. tomato plant yeah. in each one. They were about three feet apart. Put more mulch on it, and then we told Jacob. When you water these, because the nutrients in these giant pillows are not very available at the moment, they're going to have to break down for a good long time. When you water these, if you have anything, he was working for the urban mission. They give out surplus food to people. They end up having to um, get rid of some of it, either it spoils or whatever. And so some of that was going in our compost piles, which was going to be helpful later, but didn't help us at the moment. But he would take a gallon of milk. And dump about half of it in a five-gallon bucket, top mm-hmm. it up with water, and water the plants. He could have used a lot less milk, but he had milk available. And um, it would be interesting to ask him to write down for us, if he could remember, all the different things that he added yeah. in the way of just sort of loose nutrients that went along with that water. Right. But uh, I mean, it grew. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. really beautiful. Now, yeah. the next step was we're, they were very concerned that what what poisons are going into these vegetables from the, from the soil of the laydown yard? I, you know, 
maybe maybe that's reasonable i i just don't we we can't get too uptight about you know why it's reasonable it's most reasonable if you're afraid somebody's gonna sue you yeah it's least reasonable if you're hungry right right. and so you have to pick where am i on that scale and am i gonna consume this Mm -hmm. but this is one of the thought of the two thoughts i couldn't remember this one matters a lot to me and i think it helps people um allay their fears a little bit um, not that we're going to use the National Organic Standards Board as any sort of good guide for what makes things organic. Nevertheless, it started with good farmers and good ideas. And for the NOSB, if you take a piece of land, no matter what was done to it, short of you know maybe being bombed or being under um, you know an oil spill or in East Palestine or something, yeah. if you take a standard piece of land and you want to declare it organic so that you can sell the products of it as organic, what do they require that you do? Nothing. Wait three years. That's all. Oh, really? So what are you waiting for in that three years? You're waiting for whatever might possibly have been there to break down or wash away. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Composting the, is what we call that breakdown. I mean, mm-hmm. when we make it happen in a heap, we call it composting. So when you bring in organic matter of whatever kind, cardboard or whatever, and you pile it, and you encourage rapid um, biological breakdown, mm-hmm. then you have just sped up that three-year process. So yeah. if you say to yourself, okay, well, if I dumped all these grass clippings here and stood over it and jittered for you know however long thinking, oh my gosh, is there herbicide in here? Mm-hmm. If I jittered for three years, I could, <laughs> I could like pat myself on the back and say, now, now my soul, you can rest. Because you I have an organic farm. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> The other thing is that when you're worried about, when the toxins that you're worried about are the toxins that are most commonly going to be present in organic matter and you think, oh my gosh, is this okay? Things like, did these grass clippings from my neighbor ever get sprayed with herbicides because he doesn't like dandelions in his lawn? You can find it very fast by whether your plants grow in them because if your plants grow in in them, the broadleaf herbicide isn't working very well because the only common garden plant that you're growing that isn't a broadleaf is corn yeah. all the rest of them are broadleaf so if they think it's okay they're pretty smart about that yeah yeah, yeah. there but, are there is one broadleaf herbicide now but but part of what do you want to go there that, the grazon question or not again that's just something else for people okay so to don't be afraid we'll just skip it you got yes. a problem you you come back on our that's door. right but the the uh what one of the things with the lay down yard was mm-hmm. just how little soil Right. Was there, right. and that's what I'm thinking of in your bed now. You've yeah. got, yeah. Uh, and you know, Beth's putting together several boxes. I'm immediately thinking, I want one big refrigerator box <laughs> so that I don't have to tape boxes together or something yeah, like that. But, that's but right. Bo- but but you don't need much in there. Yeah. Right. You know, and the box started. scenario now, is and, mostly a way to. This is an experiment I want to do so that I can demonstrate it for somebody who, who's. Co- you know, completely without experience and thinks yeah. this is overwhelming. Look, we're going to do this with two cardboard boxes in your backyard and yeah. you'll see that it works. Yeah. In point of fact, that's not what any of us are going to do. <clears throat> what we would do would be way more like what we did in the lay down yard or what you did across the street at, yeah. at the, the vacant lot across yeah, yeah. from you. You, yeah. you till it, you try and gather the stuff that looks like it might grow something into something of a heap. And yeah. then... I mean, so your potato patch last year is a great example. Yeah, and it was, it was that? the other thing is it got completely overrun with weeds. Totally, but yeah. the potatoes were still underneath there. 
Yeah, so I, I You just had to find the rows. Yeah. So the um you have to always be careful with podcasts because you know they're public. <laughs> oh that's yes. Right. And Sorry. I wanna I wanna maintain a uh, <laughs> It's not your pride that's I guard in a lot of land that isn't my property no, through various through right. various deals and such. Um <laughs> and I wanna make sure <laughs> and I wanna talk about Who's all of this. <laughs> but um yeah, so this is this is something that I've found for people you're starting small, but I think that cities have in the past and still to this day can feed a good portion Tons. of their people's diet oh by the growth that happens in the city. Absolutely. What they can't do is ruminants. What they can't do is things that require a large acreage in order to move Not animals. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they can do goats, they can do pigs, they can do things like that. But um, the but one of the things that is difficult for us is that um, and I don't know how many people are motivated in this way because for me, when I grow something small, I really want to be approaching the point of a greater food security. So gardening as a hobby doesn't really interest me that much. Like I don't really have a sense of like, um, like if I can't see it growing, not just in terms of every year, but in terms of through the years, growing to provide more and more security from a broken industrial system. That's right. I don't want a pet zoo garden. Right, exactly, because then it becomes more of an expense. And then, and and part of gardening I've found is that since you have to always return fertility to the soil, Mm -hmm. um, and the kind of gardening that you're describing, you're always going to end up with more than you put in. Abundance. Both in terms of your organic material, your soil, and in terms of the fruit, obviously right. the, the you know what you grow. Right. Um, so what I mean to say is, when you start small, at the end of it, if you do it right, you end up with more than you That's started right. with, and then your bed gets bigger. That's right. So what Absolutely I what right. I did in my lot is I started with just the beds that were there. Right. The neighbor that had lived in the house beforehand had said at some point, you know, what no growth is the ideal, but not in the way that I like to think of no growth, which is a good economic policy, but a bad garden policy. You just put rocks <laughs> over every bed. So the first year was just a lot of scraping out rocks and then uh, building new beds and then growing it and kind of using some of these methods where at the end of the day, because I'm putting all of this scavenged organic material into it, when the plants are done, they all die down, I've got more there than I started with. The plants, like the whole process gave more. Okay, well now I've got a, so then what I'm doing is I've got a compost heap. Um, The compost heap becomes the bed. This is sort of the process. Right. First year, it was just a compost heap. I'm just turning it over. And then I looked at it. I said, oh, it's all pretty close to dirt now. So I flattened it and put walls around it. And that's my bed. Well, now I've got a bed growing here. And and so I moved the compost heap to the next spot. But but because of this, now I'm involved in a, a sort of exponential growth pattern, which is that I'm always going, as I increase the garden beds, I'm increasing the amount of soil I have at the end of the year. And if I want to use it, of course, putting a lot back into the old beds. And I'm only just now year three, getting to the point where I can see in the soil from the first beds, oh, they need to be re-upped with, right. uh, mm-hmm. right. so I'm not right. just building a new bed here. Right. Um, anyway, so the point, the simple point is that the reason you start small is because dealing with the land by nature is dealing with abundance. And so it always has a growth built into it that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it shouldn't be scarcity motivated in the sense of you the uh, the fantasy of being totally self-sufficient 
is no, no, is, no. is a silly right. goal. Right. But the idea of being in tune and in touch with the growth that is implicit in God's abundant gift of nature to us, that is exciting. To say every spring, you know, like the plants start to wake up, but you start to wake up too. Everyone feels this, but they don't know what to do with this. I've thought about this a lot. I want to write about this. Spring yeah. comes and you just feel something right. in you. I want to do this. I and want you to feel start it nesting or I want to start... Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. And of course. And so, you know, so people want to reproduce. <laughs> yeah. But in an industrial society, the feeling of spring... It's interesting in the literature where, where in the in older agrarian societies, when the poets wrote about this, um, it was an immediate tie to nature. So they would describe nature in its stirring and they describe man in his stirring because they understood them to be part of one belonging. Right. So that the stirring in me is the stirring to go out and work and, and the, the prob- land. One of the problems is... <laughs> but in modern literature, as this happens, yes. the same stirring, you think of some poems by Eliot and such, the same stirring becomes increasingly described as a sort of craziness like a um okay like there's no uh belonging to it because you're feeling all of nature stir within you and you're going back to the same job well, and and we're trying turning to on the fluorescent we light we want to have air conditioning and things like that <laughs> well, to, yeah. to eliminate that change yeah so if i can be in the yeah. mall yeah then i don't even feel that change yeah which i think is no more rights really of important. no more rights of spring my, my right. memory that i mean the thing that that's yeah. in me the most old as i am is the agony of every school year mm. being incarcerated for <laughs> the spring it's no it's 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 extremely unnatural and i think you the moment you garden and this is why i always advocate gardening is that just by doing it on a small scale it's an unfortunate fact but it will make you very sick and weary of industrial rituals as part of your life because you'll begin to realize that you're at war with them in your nature right. So, yeah, when everything is budding and blossoming and the soil is finally right. workable because that first thaw is gone and right. you can sink your hands into it, it is unnatural to go work on PowerPoints and spreadsheets right. all day. Absolutely. When you know that, right. that, that and, and there's no cure to this, right? Because if you have an office with a window, you're in pain because you can right. see it. And if you have office right. with no windows, you're, you're in pain in because pain, you can't. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And but so, the, but the, so I just say garden, the, and the, the reason I bring this all up is because it seems to me that when you're gardening, you are preparing to deal with abundance. And so it's really fun to have a plan for how you're going to grow. Right. Um, and so that box is never just the box. So so what I'm advocating for is when you start your backyard garden, right. always have the second year plan. Yes. All right. So I'm going to produce a bunch more soil here. I'm going to be bringing in a bunch, scavenging. And then what? Right. And then you can start to see, you can start to plug back into the natural way that man belongs in nature, which is as a director of it, right. a sort of composer of it all. Now, the other thing that uh, you, you talked about with starting small that I think is really important is, especially if you're just starting out, yeah. I think starting small, you want to start small because you want success. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I was very aware of is when we went over to your place and we rototilled that patch yeah. over on the other side, it was very hard it rototilling. It was too big. And that, and I was very you concerned said so. yeah, I didn't that know you were going to get discouraged and watch all those weeds come That's in exactly what happened. and just go, oh, why did I even do this? Yeah. And I Thank can't you. do this. You, you, I'm, I, and this is yeah. when people say, I don't have a green thumb. Right. Because this is they when have, people say, 
far, an agrarian society doesn't really work because yes. they think really we can't do it with our hands. We have to have the big machine. Right. And, and the one thing I've noticed about the whole term green thumb is that it's um, that's not real. There's no, no such thing as green right. thumbs. It's not like perfect pitch, which you but can actually one of the say things, there it, it is. is yeah. <laughs> one of the things that, so you did feel that discouragement. Yeah, so. so but you also, I remember later yeah. you going over there and digging it, and you said, there are potatoes underneath. Yeah, there. so I, so I knew my eyes that were that bigger. Were still, yes. My eyes were bigger than my capacity because I'd already built a bunch of new beds in my own garden, and I looked across the street and I said, you know what? And I got that, that you know, animal-like sort of fear of that's scarcity. Right. And then I said, I'm, I'm going to do a big plot yeah. of potatoes because that's what we eat. And then we'll mm -hmm. be kept in potatoes. That's right. That's right. So, of course, we go plant row after row. Um, it's a good day. And then I simply can't keep up with that's the weeds right. um, because... What were you trying to do for the weeds out of curiosity? Well, it was more of a time thing. I was just trying to mulch on top mulch. of them. Yeah. Perfect answer to But I did it once, patch. basically, mm -hmm. right. and then got all busy, and I can see that there's right. weeds growing up there, but I'm not today. I'm, you know. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. And part of the problem that's is right. that there is a, and you know this because you had to quit your job eventually, that yep. there's a point at which. I got to quit my job. Eventually. You got to quit your job. <laughs> but there's a point at which dealing with abundance means you can't do anything else. That's yeah. what abundance means. You simply have to have a life that's right. dedicated to to saying thank you to God. That's right. Um, and everyone needs money right now because that's how the economy works. So you can't, there's a point of tension at which that's right. I want to expand the garden because that's the right. garden is telling me to expand right. it, but I need money. Mm -hmm. And so you do both for a while and then eventually right. you find that well, you have quit. That what we're finding is that the other work, the work that does not, need money is providing the things that money used to provide now we don't need as much money the other thing, yeah, the other so thing i want to throw out there is that in the history of man as as a village forming community forming animal yeah. right yeah um farmers aren't farmers full-time that right. is not a full-time job and i mean really anywhere because if you live in the tropics life's easy because stuff offers itself to you and if you live in a temperate zone and you're farming you have seasons, mm -hmm. and they dictate what you're doing, and so even in 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 you know if you imagine your sort of utopian village, your villagers farm, and they're also the blacksmith, the mm -hmm. tailor, mm -hmm. the shoemaker, the potter. Potter the is good for me because I am one, and then I'm aware that the pattern for for potters would have been. Um, Throw pottery, throw in fire pottery in the winter, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. farm and go to fairs in the summer, mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. circle around. So, the need to do something for cash mm -hmm. or for for trade has always or long been there, and it's okay. Yeah. We're, what we're working toward is a proper balance. Yes. So yeah. that you men, with the assistance of your families, can provide the food your families need and do other things. I mean, right. we don't want a world world where Mark stops writing. Sure. So. Yeah, Mark but, doesn't want but, a world where he stops writing. I would like a world where I write in the winter. <laughs> That's right, 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 right. But okay, so all this being said, the the lot across the street it grows up, it gets out of control, and I just hack it all down. And then one day I'm going back across there, um, sort of just 
Did you planning. think there were no potatoes? No, I thought that it all maybe there was a few under there, and I tripped. Great, I, I literally failure. tripped on a as I'm walking through it a big potato, a huge potato, like a big potato. Yeah, and I said, "Well, that's funny because <laughs> I don't, I didn't plant." Who dropped any, a potato? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't plant anything that big, and I didn't, I didn't water, and I no, I really, I didn't water, right, right, right. I didn't weed, uh-huh. I didn't mulch. Uh-huh. I just, right. I, I used the whole spot as just I had planted some flowers around, and the only time I would go there was to cut the flowers and. Um, uh, and I was like, oh, I, and what had happened, of course, is that I had. Despite you. I had a managerial mindset. I thought, well, if, obviously, yeah, if right. I'm not out there, it's not going to happen. Oh, this is marvelous. This uh, is a religious <laughs> moment you're telling me. Oh, of course. About. Yeah. The, the potato mocked me in its, in its <laughs> substance. It just it was hefty and it was laughing. Um, and I said, "Well, surely this is a this is a freak of, of right. nature. There there, there's a, you know there was enough light that wasn't choked by the weeds, and like a little beam shone down like an <laughs> like an alien abduction, and right. one right. potato plant right. grow. Right. But right. then I see, oh no, there's an, there, and I start digging, and now I'm pulling them out, and there's potatoes everywhere, and it's, it feels like it, it honestly feels knees? like oh yeah, I was just <laughs> using my hands, and and you know because what you had told me, and I thought this was no, you had told me this, but of course you both meant it because you're one flesh. Yes, yeah. that's, <laughs> right. that's right. Uh, that's right. Plant potatoes first because. You're tilling up some new ground, and what that means Absolutely. is it's all very compact. So you want the kinds of plants that are going to go down and, and then get up. big and break that's it up. Right. Mm-hmm. So potatoes made sense, and that's exactly what happened. It became, even after that one planting season, it was gone from I couldn't possibly imagine using my fingers to get oh, through yeah. the dirt to I can really move this apart. Um, and I'm seeing these lovely golden potatoes, and obviously not as many as there would have been, I'm sure, if uh, I had been careful. And 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 the greatest difficulty was because I'd let it all grow up. I had lost the rows. Right. Like I didn't know where they were. So, so right. but that right. made it very fun at the same time because yeah. then it's like right. a treasure it's hunt. Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Easter egg. Right. So I got a couple of buckets of potatoes out of it, uh, having done absolutely nothing because we live in a world that is abundant, and scarcity is manufactured in the sense of it is it man has to sin and work hard at it in order to make scarcity a norm. Um, and the potato was, was living proof of that quite literally. Uh, and, and there's a lot of theological reflection to, to bring to bear there, uh, in the sense of especially grace of God. Um, I think people find this in their lives a lot of the time that they don't necessarily make a big effort as it were at the life of holiness, uh, but life is something that is first given to them and and moves along. So you end up if not by not by immense effort, really. I mean, it's 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 a shame to say, but very few people make a real effort at becoming virtuous. But the very structure of human life seems to push them in that direction because they get married, because they fell in love, and now right, they've got a right. kid. Right. And what are they doing right. with the kid? Well, they're really just doing what they have to do. But the the nature of the thing that is, is right. abundant. So now Luke, they're becoming... Luke was just talking about this. Remember we were over? We just had a workshop over yeah. there, and he was saying there are certain jobs oh, yeah. that it is very hard to be... To do them well and, and not be made virtuous. That's right. And he said oh, motherhood yeah. is exactly that. Oh, yeah. If he you said, are a good... That's right. If you are a good mother... You can't be a good mother and not be gaining in virtue. Oh, absolutely. Because if you tried to do it selfishly and wickedly, and if you tried to do That's it right. as always holding in mind some kind of life of pleasure where your kids aren't interruptions, you're just going to be very, very sad, right? We talked yeah. a little bit about this. And so you yeah. eventually make a compromise with the life of virtue and you say, 
very well, I will I will act as if I'm virtuous, right? Because That's I have right. to to survive. Right. So I will be selfless because what else am I going to do? I've got a two-year-old Isn't that, that... marvelous? Because but then you start to act selflessly, not not in the right mindset, not because right. you were reading a manual Absolutely. and said, I'd like to pursue Beth, the path of perfection. Beth just but... sent a letter to Wendell Berry. Oh, yeah. And he... Re- Oh, Wendell's still writing, yes. writing yes, back. That's is. great. That's so right. I was asking him. Uh, 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 there was some background, but at any rate, I asked him a question about <laughs> about um, making community happen. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, do you have tips for this? And he his recommendation. <laughs> I mean, as all he pointed out, as always, he he references two um, Problems, two ends two, yeah. to uh, the agrarian world, and one was people. That, living the the biblical injunction to love their neighbor and the other one was like, people recognizing that right uh, agricultural agriculture is actually solar capture and and so, solar energy should run your farm but his recommendation he said you know so um you know love thy neighbor and maybe at this point a little creative hypocrisy comes in <laughs> you know like fake it if you oh, don't yeah. love your neighbor <laughs> pretend you do creative hypocrisy, creative hypocrisy. <laughs> uh, he didn't put it in quotes but i thought that it's is a, a phrase i'm hanging on to creative hypocrisy yes. and and if that's the closest we can come to virtue it is in itself a virtue the the impulse yeah. to enact creative hypocrisy to yes, get through yes, this yes. moment is in part the impulse not to alienate another human being, which is a good impulse. Absolutely. So, so the other. So thing even I'm if here. even if you're not tilling, uh, you can right. still get a potato. Right, right. <laughs> right. And then but, what you do is you look ahead and you say, okay, oh, yes, this really does work. It works. And yeah. then what you do is you get somebody to drop a large bale. I mean, Rambo. one of the huge bales. And as soon as you put your potatoes in and they have popped up, you are going to take that that huge mm-hmm. round bale apart and you're going to mulch yeah. between those rows yeah. and you will find that, oh my gosh. Right, right. It, it, now I have, I'm able to find my rows. Yep. The weeds have been inhibited a little bit. Yep. Moisture has been held there. Yep. And I didn't, it wasn't very hard right, to right, just right, tear right. that bale down and just yeah. and keep then, piling okay, it so in. Okay, you're, so you're the city dweller, right? Yeah. So you do this with five... Square bales, you lay them out. Small bales. Yes. I, I'm talking about the giant r- rolled bales, but you could do it. Right. With so you get five square bales. You plant your potatoes. They are a very good first garden. Move your soil. Plant your potatoes. Yep. Mulch with hay. What happens in the spring? I mean, you harvest them in the fall. In the spring, that's your garden bed where you've already killed stuff. You well, plant your small seeded annuals, things like carrots and spinach yeah, and, and the lettuce there. Broken up and... But last fall, when you saw how brilliantly it worked. You got a bunch more square bales, and you started your potato patch last fall. Put a bunch of hay down with nothing going on there. Yeah. So start in the autumn, lay down a bunch of organic mm-hmm. matter. There's your new potato patch. Right, right. right. And so the you tilling, just scoot it out of the way, drop your piece of potato, cover it up. The best yeah. tilling yeah. is done by worms. Mm-hmm. Worms right. are amazing what they can do. And they can till, till and lighten soil and so what you are trying to do with an awful lot of your work is bring the bring the worms how, how do you bring the worms what just covering with organic matter, matter starts oh, okay that. gotcha but there are some books out there um what is her name the vermiculture lady chelsea Rhonda, green Rhonda sherman Rhonda, sherman 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 and she's the vermiculture lady and so i i want you to order that book 
Okay, yeah. Ask we haven't got it yet, but um, but that would be something. Vermiculture yeah, is really fabulous. Vermicu- yeah, that should be very interesting. But for the person who's not yet ready to launch into that, to that. Um, but I would say you are ready because you want to create a compost pile and you're going to have your compost pile underneath your sink mm-hmm. and it's going to be full of worms and they're going to chew everything up in there. So it's a very easy start. Right. For the only place composting. I was going to is without the book, without anybody to direct you. Oh, that's you right. You can yeah. begin growing worms at any time you drop, if you walked outside and dropped that square belt without doing anything with it. And it sat there. Think of the people, you know, who put a bale of straw as a decoration in the fall mm-hmm. on their front lawn. Mm-hmm. If it stays there until spring, when they move it, in the first place, they've got this lovely straw bale that's now breaking down. Mm-hmm. It's going to make wonderful And you've got wherever it compost. was is but dead. Wherever it was is dead, and worms have been coming oh, up from underneath. Oh, you'll see tons of worms there. So that's the perfect place to plant something. Okay, that's a square bale. But multiply by 10 or by 20 or by 100, that space, exactly the same thing will happen. Put down organic matter and let it rot in place. Yeah, hey, square bells would be fabulous. The for bottom this. part will get, you know, worms are going to come up. Earthworms actually sort of tunnel out of the ground and they will grab a leaf and pull it back down with them. Wow. So they're moving organic matter down to the bottom. Plus, mm-hmm. of course, anything that passes through the guts of an earthworm comes out magically with a huge abundance of bioavailable stuff in it so it's the perfect um soil amendment um so put your organic matter down and the bottom stuff will get eaten by by worms beetles earwigs whatever and the top stuff because it's not kept wet is going to still be intact there's your mulch there's your compost layer already in place so you're just going to part your mulch plant in your compost layer and move forward there i mean the magic in this that's right is not our magic mm. the magic in this is what happens in the soil so you don't have to know any magic and you don't have to understand what's going on if somebody just gives you some basics and, and then you're going to go to craigslist and you're going to order mulch hay from the farmer that he's throwing away right. for two dollars a bale and you're just yeah. going to right, start right. off by just laying it out round right. bales you can often around here get delivered round bales for 25 bucks well, right yeah. and they're already rotten the farmer yeah. wants them out so yeah. he's willing to deliver them for this not very big fee yeah and and even if you're a city dweller one nice big round bale dumped on your driveway and shoved into the backyard is going to provide you with huge amounts huge of, of amounts. organic matter mulch um some of it's co- you know compostable some of it's already immediately composted, right. right yeah uh you reminded me there's one day i was um in england and i saw a guy with a wheelbarrow and he was in an odd place because he was sort of by a highway and he had a little shovel and um, I was walking past him and I I must have looked curious because I didn't I didn't ask him what he's doing I'm not I'm not that sociable but he said I bet you're wondering what I'm doing of course in a lovely a lovely British accent Yorkshire, whatever one of Yorkshire them. accent right. yeah uh, I wonder you know I wonder and I said well I I was I was actually yeah. and he said I'm following the moles. And what he would do oh, is wherever wherever moles go, they they bring the soil yes, up from the bottom. Right. You just see it; it's tilled. It is really. So what was he doing? He was he was following the moles because you can see their paths, and right. he was scraping off the soil that they brought up from the bottom and putting it in his wheelbarrow and bringing it to his garden. That is fabulous. And, right. and no one and no one had a problem with it because, from the perspective of most of the landscaping that he was taking the dirt from, the mole hills were unsightly, so he was flattening them, which is what 
people would do anyways. I mean, they'd try to get rid of the moles, but... Right. That's um, why they roll their lawns. Yeah. So that's another idea for scavenging soils to follow yeah, the moles. Yeah, and that's really appropriate right now because if you... Um, and I, I haven't really figured out exactly what's going on. I, the heaps are so big, I'm not going to point my finger at the moles. Something else is probably making them. But go for a drive and you'll see lots of, you know, dun-colored heaps in mm -hmm. people's lawns that are clearly some animal kicking up Go a pile at the end of its run yeah. and um if there's any virtue in that soil having been moved shoveled moved from yeah. you know, just below the surface of the soil sounds like a great idea for filling those boxes yeah. yeah yeah well we are going to um do one more episode on on starting your backyard garden and i think that um at this point, you've established, I think, two really clear principles that I want to lay out as best as I can, which is that gardening is fundamentally about the dirt. Um, the fruit is really a surprise, but the but the dirt is what you're involved in. Um, and when you are when you are planning your garden, you're always planning the next year's garden, mm -hmm. and you're always asking. How do I return the fertility to the soil that the plants are going to take from it? Um, and you are always trying to accelerate the kind of process by which soil is always produced, which is the breakdown of organic material. Uh, and that what's great about backyard gardening is you can do this in a box. So <laughs> you create the space and you say, all right, I am going to look at what nature does. I'm going to do it here under my care. Um, and it's just a simple matter of putting down organic material and then putting down enough dirt that you can plant in. And then the rest is uh, sort of not so hard. So really, I mean, it's funny when people ask you how to backyard garden. I think the thing that I've noticed is that everyone knows how to do it. Yes. It, right. it responds to something that they already That's right. understand. It's they recognize like, it. And the they, remem platonic, they remember it. They it's remember it. That's right. yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And, they, um, and I think that's important because... Not that anyone asks me, you know, advice for gardening, because I'm always asking other people for advice for gardening. But if they were to, I would just say, your intuition is usually correct. <laughs> like once you do the initial things, then your understanding of um, does this soil need um, some dry material, some brown material, or does it need some wet sort of uh, rotting material? Right. The soil is going to tell you that. That's right. Uh, it'll appear dry and so That's need right. the other thing, or it'll appear wet and slimy and so it'll need mm -hmm. more dry. And you're just going to know that. And you're mm -hmm. going to be involved in systems where you're not implementing a scientifically deduced schema. And, you're and responding the to the needs of, of the earth. comes that YouTube and books and things like that make it too complicated. <laughs> sure. Well, and the other thing that I want to say is that you know, and the obstacle that's actually in front of us is that we live in an industrialized, mechanized world that makes us think there's a trick, makes yeah. us think that there's a formula, makes us think that there's a blueprint that we need. Yes, we're very given to trends. And yeah. nature, <laughs> on the other hand, is always there, yeah. always impartial, always sticks to our own rules. So you cannot fail. To, if you will show up and pay a little bit of attention, mm -hmm. you cannot fail to learn any more than the, the infant who picks up the ball off the floor and then loses his grip and sees it fall is going to fail to learn that when you drop something it goes down mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. can't you cannot not learn from nature that's right it will teach you all right thanks so much for joining us everyone and we will see you next time goodbye